I'm excited to partake in communion. Are you? Amen. Something that uh, is getting more rare and rare, I think, in churches is partaking of the bread, partaking of the new wine or the juice. And what does that mean? You know, in the Bible, in John chapter 6, verse 48, Jesus says, I am that bread of life. I am that bread of, of life. You know, when I think of bread, just common bread, bread is for people who are alive. Bread is not used necessarily for, for dead people. You know, there's a Halloween that's coming up in October 31st, and in the Spanish-speaking world, there's no such thing as Halloween. There's something called El Dia de los Muertos. Have you heard of that before? It's called the Day of the, of the Dead. And what they do in Spanish-speaking countries is that they cook up the most delicious food. I mean, all the delicious food that you've eaten at all these Spanish-speaking restaurants that you can think of, they cook up a feast. You know, the black beans, arroz, the desserts, and all that. And they cook up a feast, and they're cooking all day. And then they gather it all to go. And the families walk to the cemetery, and they leave all this food for their deceased relatives. And then they go home, and they come back the next day, and guess what? It's all gone. Now, what happened to the food? Well, let me tell you what they tell the children. Our, your grandma ate it, you know. Your great-grandma loved that, you know, arroz con leche you made. Or, you know, your uncle, oh, he really, when he was alive, he used to love those tacos, and he, he did away with the tacos. And all the young people are like, whoa, you know. But if you stay past closing time in the cemetery, you will notice that the caretakers of the cemetery descend at night with their friends and with their family. And the caretakers of the cemetery, well, they have a big old feast that night. And they feed themselves all the stuff they want. You know, they can't eat everything, but they at least take a bite of everything so that the next day someone will come by. So again, bread is for people who are alive. Dead people don't eat bread. I mean, imagine if they pulled out, for some morbid reason, one of those dead bodies, and they propped them up on a, on a chair, and then they served the most beautiful feast of bread, and they laid that bread before that dead body. Well, what would happen? Nothing. It would just be a gross mockery, right? You would come back a year later, and that dead person would have not touched one piece of the bread. In fact, you could even take that bread, stick it in the mouth of a dead person, and nothing would happen. Because dead bread and dead people don't mix. Nothing happens to it. But the Bible says that Jesus said, I am not just the bread. I am the bread of? I am the bread of what? I am the bread of life. Now that's a big difference, right? Because when the bread of life touches what is dead, then it becomes alive. And you know what the Bible says about every man, woman, and child born into this world. 
It says that we are dead in trespasses and, and sins. And so the Bible is telling us that all of us are dead spiritually. And it takes not just regular bread, but it takes living bread. And when you take of that living bread, well, that which was dead becomes alive. And the Lord Jesus is that living bread. In the Bible, he said to the young man, arise, when his mother was crying over his casket. And he arose. He took a little girl by the hand and said, Tapitha kumai, which means maid, arise. And she sat up in the bed. He called to Lazarus, who was by that time already stinking, the Bible says. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth from the grave. He was still in his grave clothes. And so, our wonderful Christ Jesus is not only bread for the living, but he's also bread for the, for the dead. And I say amen to that. But here's the thing. Bread, no matter what kind of bread, is not going to do anything for you unless you eat it. Unless you eat it. Imagine if we would uh, have uh, served a meal here and I would have talked about how delicious it was and how great it was. Or, in fact, what if we would have invited you to potluck after our service and, and, you know, we cooked the best food there. My wife would have cooked her famous enchiladas. Uh, some of you would have baked your uh, favorite dishes. And we sat there and we said, listen, guys, today for potluck, I want to do something special. I want to describe in detail how delicious all this food is. And you guys would just sit there around the table and hear about how delicious the enchiladas are, how delicious the fruit is. Would that be enough for you, just listening? After a while, your mouth would get watery and you would start to say, can you just stop talking so we can eat already? Some of you guys do that while I'm still preaching up here, but you know how it goes. You want to eat. And if you've ever been hungry, staring at food does absolutely nothing for you. Have you ever been hungry in your life? Some of you have never been hungry in your life. But have you ever been so hungry and you had nothing to, to eat? Being a, a, a vegan or a vegetarian, sometimes it's pretty difficult because you get to places where there is no food, specifically plane flights. You know, when they serve you food and you forget to order that vegetarian meal and they serve you things that you would not eat and you got a 12-hour flight and you open up the, the magazine where it says the food and you see that vegetarian meal you missed and you're looking at it and you're looking at it, you smell it, but it does absolutely nothing for you. And so I could say, Jesus is the bread of life. And you could say, amen. But unless you eat of that bread, it does absolutely nothing for you. Unless you eat of Jesus Christ, it does nothing for you. And that's the reason that Jesus hinted at this when he says, I am the bread of life. He was calling us to partake of him. So the question is, how do we receive Christ as we receive bread into our bodies? Just three quick things. How do I receive Christ as we receive bread into our body? Number one, believing everything that he has revealed about himself. The Father is witness. The Holy Spirit is witness. 
And the Bible is a witness of who Jesus is. The first step of partaking is believing everything that is revealed about Jesus in the Holy Bible. The next one is to trust Him yourself. Because you could believe but that Jesus is the Savior, but it's not going to make a difference unless He is your Savior. And that's important when we're going through struggles. Because we can say, you know, I believe that God is mighty. I believe that God is merciful. I believe God is kind. I believe God is gracious. But if you don't believe He is mighty through your problems, through your struggles, if you don't believe that He's kind to you in your life, He can be kind to you, to your family, if you don't believe He has mercy and is graceful towards you, then what's the point of just believing in Him if you don't trust in Him? And so by taking of the bread today and drinking of the juice, you're saying, I believe what the Bible says about Jesus, and I believe that He meant that for, for my life. And isn't that so comforting when we're going through relationship problems, when we're going through financial problems, when we're going through all types of issues in life, and we could say, not only is my God great, but my God is great too, to me. I believe that. I believe that. And the final, third step, is not only believing what the Bible says and is revealed about Him, it's not only believing that it is for you, trusting in Him, but the last one is that we need to meditate upon Him or think of Him many times. We need to live, in a sense, near the cross. Where is your house? Where is your room? Where is your bed? Is it near the cross? Is your room or bed near Gethsemane? Are you so close to Jesus that you could hear his groanings on Gethsemane? You need to be much with dying Christ. You need to be much with risen Christ. You need to be much with reigning Christ. And you need to be much with anticipating Christ. And you will see that as you think upon Jesus, as you believe and trust in Him for your problems and your life, and you believe what the Bible says upon Him, that you will find a satisfaction that is even better than bread. It is living bread. Living bread that gives you spiritual life. My grandpa passed away about uh, three years ago two or three years ago, and uh, I used to always go back to California and visit with the expectation that my grandpa would drive one hour into Los Angeles to the only Guatemalan bakery that there was in, around. And there he would buy sweet Guatemalan bread. Uh, they call it lenguas, which are tongues, because they look like long tongues. They had all sorts of churritos, only those who speak Spanish know what I'm talking about. And let me tell you, this bread, there's nothing that compares. I bought Mexican bread that was supposed to be the same. It wasn't the same. You buy American dessert, this is special type of, of bread. You know, my grandpa doesn't bring me that bread since he passed away. But when I go to California, I make sure that I, I make that trip and I go get that bread because it reminds me of the love of my grandpa towards me. And that's what this is about. This is the love of Jesus towards you. This is his body that was broken for you. This is his blood 
that was shed for you. And you could have that living bread today by believing what the Bible says, trusting the Lord, and meditating upon Him. Let us meditate today of what Jesus did for you a long time ago in Calvary, today, and His soon return. Uh, our scripture reading today is found on Luke 22, verses 14 through 16, and verse 19. It will be on page 1020 on the Pew Bibles. 1240. 1240. 1240. Okay. As long as we're in the same <laughs> book, Luke. 22 verses 14 through 16 and then we jump to um, verse 19. While we are still looking on it, my name is Delile. I don't know about you, I'm just very happy today to be part of this occasion where we have in remembrance of Jesus shedding his blood for us. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer, real, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, uh, you give us an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. You created us knowing that we would sin. You had a plan for your son to die for us. And in heaven, everything will be made perfect again, except he'll still have the marks of crucifixion to remind us of how terrible sin is. And uh, we ask as we eat this bread um, that we'll remember that and um, um, we'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. I was working as a nurse in uh, Botswana, which has, at that time, they told me a 60% AIDS or HIV rate. So 60% of the country had HIV or AIDS. And you're working in the ER where you got to do a lot of poking. And people come in with a lot of injuries, meaning a lot of blood. And I remember one of the scariest moments in, in my life as a nurse was the moment that um, one of my fellow nurses, who was very nervous at starting IVs, asked me to come help him. And I remember holding the patient's arm down as he went to start the IV. And the first sign of trouble I saw was he was shaking. You don't want a nurse shaking, starting an IV on you. And I asked him, do you want me to do it? He's like, no, no, I got it, I got it. And when he went to poke the man's arm, I guess he did it so terribly that the man flinched. And when the fl he flinched, the needle went in and went out and headed straight for my hand. And it was literally so close to poking me and potentially giving me HIV or AIDS. If I would have been poked, they would have assumed that I was infected and would have started me on high doses of antiviral medication, hoping, hoping that maybe they could prevent it from developing. I went home to the apartment that night and I thank the Lord that I could help people, but I was also thankful of his protection. And can you imagine that one drop of blood could have led to me dying a premature death? Can you believe that? It's true. But one drop of the blood of Jesus has so much life that it has saved anyone who will claim the promise of his sacrifice for him. And so today, we're partaking of the juice, or the new wine, the new grape juice, and it represents that blood that was spilt for your life and salvation. So as you drink it, remember, he said, do this in remembrance, that Jesus shed his blood, so that you may not have death, but you may have life and life eternal. Again, we continue with the chapter we just talked about, but now we're going to read on verses 17, 18, and 20. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, 
I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed to you. Father, Father God, um, this wine represents the blood that Jesus shed for us. And uh, you've promised to wash us in it and make us whiter than snow. And that's what each of us wants just now. In Jesus' name, amen. Gethsemane 
Take and drink. We've uh, taken of his body, the bread of life. We've taken of his blood in remembrance of him symbolically. Let us turn to one of each other and say, you have been covered by Jesus Christ and hug each other. Here we Our closing song in our hymnal is number 65, God Be With You. 65, let us rise and sing.